There's plenty of time for another blockbuster trade in the NFL before the 2022 draft, and it is Debo Samuel, 49ers star wide receiver, that has requested a trade. We try to make sense of that here on today's Peacock and Williamson, plus your Twitter Thursday questions. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Doing a little Twitter Thursday today. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you at the Peacock at Williamson NFL. Those are the handles that you should be tagging on Twitter if you want to get involved in any of our Twitter Tuesdays. Twitter Thursdays is going to be more regular post-draft as we get through our Twitter Tuesdays during the offseason, I think. And uh, getting fast and furious here with the news and, and prepping for the NFL Draft next week. It is officially one week away, Matt. Next Thursday, the NFL Draft. And a lot of coverage here on the network for that as well. So stay tuned. And I'm pumped. And the intrigue continues. And maybe some of those first-round picks might continue to get swapped even before the draft. Now with uh, a star receiver, Debo Samuel, we've got to move him up the rankings. We said just probably what? Was it Monday's show? Or was it last Friday where we ranked the likelihood of those contract year players, those second round star wide receivers from the 2019 draft. I think Debo was low on the list of guys that I thought would get traded. And now he's number one on the list because he has officially publicly now asked to be traded. And it's, it's a wild situation. And it's, I can't believe that Debo Samuel, it doesn't seem like this would be his MO. And it's hard to know exactly what's going on behind the scenes, but something happened very quickly that turned this whole contract negotiation south between the 49ers and Debo Samuel. Yeah, I mean, this one's you know obviously right in your wheelhouse. I want to hear more of what you have to say about it than me. But I do think big picture, McLaurin, Brown, Metcalf, you know, maybe even Deontay Johnson, all from the same draft in the same predicament, highly productive, not highly paid thus far, you know, and, and all of them, I'm sure, are very frustrated. Frankly, I don't think that group collectively, including Debo, has a lot of power in the situation, though. I mean, you can request a trade all you want. That doesn't mean it happens. I'm curious what you think about the Niners. You know, would they actually pursue a deal? I have some teams that would be interested. That's not hard to get that list together. But one thing I would throw out there first, which is a little different from Debo than those other names I mentioned, is his usage and his durability. Because if I were him... I would think the clock is ticking more so than if I'm McLaurin or Deontay Johnson or a guy like that that never gets, you know, brutal carries. And Debo's got a durability, you know, injury history to begin with. I mean, that's the number one knock on the guy. Do you think he might want out of San Francisco because I don't want to run inside zone anymore? It's tough because and the the reasons have changed and now today there's actually a new reason that uh, Adam Schefter reported that maybe he just wants the to be closer to home and he works out in the off season in Miami and okay. maybe that's where he wants to go you know and like it's tomorrow it'll be the weather I guess and it, you know the day before it was usage and the day before that it was money so uh, I don't know what the real excuse is to me but if you're Debo Samuel and you're trying to be valued and being paid by another franchise that's not the 49ers. Well, that team sure as heck is going to want to use you similarly to how the 49ers use you. That versatility is part of what makes Debo Samuel so valuable. So not only are you unhappy, you want to get paid 
at a level that's uh, among the top wide receivers in the NFL, even though you've only had one really good season, and it was a monster year last year. Don't get me wrong, and he deserves to get paid, but um, you know, one year usually isn't enough of a track record to you know break the bank and and set the market at a position group. So now, on top of that, a team has to trade what I would imagine would be an astronomical price to the 49ers in trade to lose their best offensive player, who was their team MVP last year. And you're telling not only the 49ers if they resign you, but a new team that you don't you want to choose how you're being utilized as well. So that that all doesn't add up to me. Any team trading for Debo Samuel is going to want to use him in the backfield and move him around and maybe not, you know, run him directly into 300 pounders, which the, I think the Niners got a little bit too aggressive with using Debo Samuel as a running back. But clearly you're going to want to hand him the ball. He's the best runner with the football in the NFL. He had a better yards per carry average than Jonathan Taylor last year. I agree that the Niners got a little too greedy with that, but they were winning games and that's their job and mm-hmm. they were final four team. And I think it's, I've made this mistake often. I used to kill, you know, Tomlin for beating Le'Veon Bell into the ground, but he was the best guy and they were winning games. That's their job. You know, it's easy for me in my basement or up in the luxury suite to say, <laughs> you know, don't, don't give them so many carries. But when you're down on the field and it's third and eight, you want to, you're going to give the, the thing that works. So, I understand that. A um, couple things. The agent and Debo side of things, I don't think this would work. But in a contract negotiation, I would go to the table and say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a WR. My football card says WR on it. But I'm like no other WR in the league. You know, I mean, I'm a hybrid. I am a special player. Um, I want to be paid in a, a different manner than those other guys. But you know, from their camp too, why would you say you want to be closer to home? What if the Bears or Packers or Lions want you? You know, I mean, like, don't narrow down one area of the country that that's where you want to go. That's bad for business too. And then last thing I want to throw in too, do you agree that chances are, I mean, I think it's an 80 to 90% chance, we'll look back on Debo's career and say 2021 was his best year. Yes, uh, all those things yeah. are true. And look, Miami already made their move for Tyreek Hill, too. So it's not like they, they have perfect. that opening. And maybe, and actually, we'll get to a, a Twitter question about that in the next segment. But that's, and that's exactly what's going on here. I think it's pretty obvious now, seeing this after a couple of days and sort of wrapping my head around what's going on with Debo Samuel. And by the way, the same agent is the agent for DK Metcalf, Metcalf and, and AJ, AJ Brown. Brown. So this yeah. agent, probably, the clock is ticking. He wants Debo paid first because. If you look at last year, Debo had the best year, but overall through the first three years of their careers, Debo's behind both DK and AJ Brown. So he probably wants True. to set it here with Debo. Then he can go into the next negotiation and ask for more with DK and AJ Brown, Brown. right? So right, right, I, I think that's why it's such a pressing situation. The draft is coming this week, which makes it a pressing situation. If Debo's the one that you're trying to get to trade teams, then you need that to happen before the draft and it becomes exceedingly more unlikely that he would get moved after that. And essentially, it's pretty obvious to me what's going on here now is that Debo Samuel's agent realizes that, like you mentioned, this is the time to cash in. After a career year, Debo could get hurt next year because of that usage, which is why the usage came up now. Debo loved being called a wide back during the season. He was asking Kyle Shanahan to carry the ball, and he he had actually been asked about taking carries if he was worried about it. He said, no, I love it. Whatever we need to do to win. That's why I'm so surprised about what's going on with Debo Samuel right now. He seemed like the ultimate team guy. I thought this deal was going to get wrapped up and be no problem. 
Yeah, I don't think competitiveness is an issue with no, him. No, not at all. And maybe <laughs> right. maybe he's being too competitive in the in the negotiation. Maybe that's part of it sure, too. Sure. Uh, so, and I and you know we know that John Lynch is a pretty competitive guy too. So you know maybe that's just two alphas trying to you know stare each other down here. But essentially, what Debo's agent is trying to do right now is knowing that this week is the week something needs to happen after a career year to get the most money, to get a deal done. And essentially, they're trying to make Debo Samuel a free agent a year early. Debo Samuel's under contract, and it's exceedingly hard these days to to hold out. So that's where the 49ers yeah, right. leverage is, and that's what you mentioned with the leverage with all these players. It's like, okay, you want the most money that's ever been made in the history of mankind? We'll do it again, and when you become a free agent, you can be a free agent, and we'll let and teams will bid on you. But you only bidding against yourself if you're the 49ers right now. So essentially what Debo's agent is trying to do is make Debo Samuel a free agent a year early by getting the 49ers to allow him to seek a trade. And then you have more teams bidding, which equals more money for Debo Samuel. So he's, his agent is smart in this by trying to make Debo essentially a free agent right now, even though he's not a free agent until next year. And then there's the franchise tag still. So he's trying to wrestle back some leverage that the collective bargaining bargaining agreement has given the 49ers. So in all this, I would say don't hate the player, hate the game, right? Don't hate Debo. Don't hate his agent. They're just trying right, to play right. the game. Don't hate the 49ers because they've got the CBA behind them. You know, be mad at the Players Association and the owners for the past deals they've made because that's what the rules are right now. So everyone's just kind of playing within the rules to try to do the best for their situation. I will say, though, that Debo allowing his agent to make this also public, I think has made him look a little bit bad, and you never like that. And I think most fans just don't want to see how the sausage is made. And I think in most cases, it's best to keep negotiations pretty quiet because everyone kind of starts to look bad when everything becomes public. And we're seeing that with uh, Kyler Murray's situation in Arizona as well. Yeah, really well said. I 100% agree on that. And, you know, again, NFL rules, you can't get, I mean, this is the first time that the, uh, these teams can give these receivers a contract period. I mean, you couldn't have given them one after two seasons. It has to be after three that you can extend them. So now the iron's hot. This is a time to do it. I'm sure all of this with all these players is about money much more than it is situation. And again, they just don't have much leverage. I mean, by NFL standards, I know all these people are doing well financially, but by NFL standards, Debo and McLaurin and Deontay and, you know, all those receivers from that year, they can't afford to sit out games and not get paychecks next year. You know, one seventeenth of their paycheck. They're not going to do that. And they'll skip, they'll skip OTAs. Right. You know? An unhappy right. player is one, ta- one thing, but when they start missing mandatory stuff and actually start getting fined and missing training camp and missing games, I feel like that's really unlikely for any of these guys. And that's where the team's leverage lies. So the 49ers can sit back and say, well, sorry, we're going to offer you what we think is a fair offer. If you want more, you, you have to play this out. That's the rules that we've been given. And last thing, too, it's also smart to do it before the draft, around draft time, if you do this two weeks from now, you know, if if he is going to get moved, the Niners are going to want to pick this year. Yes. You know, they don't pick soon. You know, like, I'm not interested in next year's picks and, it's, and the losing other, more games than we should, or, you know. Right, yeah, and the, so it has to happen pretty much this week. They're, they're, the deadline is, mm-hmm. is draft night, and it's the first round, and it's essentially, you know, Basically, by the time that you know, half halfway through the first round is over, those teams that would have had the picks that could have maybe convinced the 49ers to do something would have used those picks, and it might be too late at that point. And so when it, it, the one thing that's really hard to even get it done this week is that Debo's 
Debo's side would have to really convince the 49ers that this deal is not going to get done, and this would get absolutely ugly throughout the summer and, and drag into the season, and then they wouldn't be able to utilize Debo this year. And it's, it's and too, nobody wins, right? Right, but it's too hard to convince them of that because the 49ers know, as we just laid out, the, the CBA makes it hard for Debo to be able to do that. So the 49ers can be pretty confident and be like, no, we don't want to lose Debo, so... We're not going to trade him, and eventually he's going to have to sign something, you know, or <laughs> because yeah, he's yeah. not going to sit out. And the 49ers want to sign him. And there's been reports from uh, out of Santa Clara that the the 49ers, you know, have put aside 22 plus million dollars. Like they're ready to do a really big deal. And I don't know how far apart they actually are, but if you if you're the 49ers, maybe you are willing to. And I think that the 49ers we, they proved it with DeForest Buckner. They're willing to listen i think on these types of things and everybody has a price what that price is is probably crazy but if they get it i think we possibly could see something get done okay and i mean i threw together a list and boy i mean when you really think of it there's more teams that not that would at least have some interest but i threw these names out there you mentioned miami would have been interesting hold on one second matt Uh, yeah let's break first before we get into this and then there's a question about this situation and we'll get into the rest of twitter thursday as well next whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance bluenile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments, from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. BlueNile.com is the original online jeweler. Since 1999, they've helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring and helped millions of moms receive a gift they will remember forever. So this Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On listeners get $50 off $500. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Use Locked On, that's code Locked On, plus every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Thanks for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Ton of draft coverage coming on the network. Locked On NFL Draft live coverage starting Thursday night with the first round through all three days of the draft. We've got the Ultimate Mock Draft going on right now on the Locked On NFL channel and on Odyssey Podcast channel hosted by us. Peacock and Williamson. So I hope you guys are enjoying that one. It's been really fun for us to put together and really just a huge thing we do every year that involves just about everybody on the network. So fun stuff there and super psyched for all of our coverage here on the NFL draft. I want to go to A. Hendricks and his question here ties into everything. And we talked about Miami. He said, you're the Dolphins and you have a time machine. Knowing Debo, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin are upset with their contracts are you sending Hill back to the Chiefs and es- executing the same trade for one of those players? Basically, is Hill the best of the group? So are the Dolphins happy that they made the deal for Hill if they missed out on potentially doing a deal, say, for Debo, who, by the way, was the guy who's coordinating the offense for Debo last year in San Francisco as the head coach now? It's a tough question. I mean, first of all, Debo to Miami because of the coaching correlation is outstanding. And I mean, to me, that's a, a wonderful situation for both team and player. And I guess it's close to home too for him. So he's even happier. It would be great for Tua. Not that Hill isn't. Um, 
and Hill and Waddle are, are so are more similar. I would think that that would open things up for Waddle to not be such a close to the line of scrimmage receiver, open him up to do more things deep, yeah. and then you have that speed. and And I think that would be a nice combination. So I, I think if you injected, uh, if you injected the Miami Dolphins front office and especially their head coach with Truth Serum, I think they would say, you know, I wish we'd we'd rather done that deal for Debo rather than Tyreek Hill. But that wasn't I, I was an option at the too. time, so they kind of had to do what they had to do. Yeah, I was leaning that way as well. And a couple things on Peel here. I think you could get those guys, including Debo, the younger crew, the fourth-year dudes, a little cheaper than what you paid for Tyreek. I mean, I think you could, you know, 80 cents on of that on that trade or, you know, 80% or 90% of that trade. I don't think you'd have to be as all-in. Um, this I is think, some of my dynasty I, I, roots. I would Go say ahead. you might have to give as much or more in trade, but maybe the contract could have been a little lighter and a little younger because it's their first contract and they don't have the all pros lined up and everything like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, that would make some sense. Hard to know. And I was kind of looking at this through a dynasty lens too. Like right now in the dynasty world, Debo, Metcalf, Brown, they're all worth more than Tyreek Hill, you know, I mean, because of age, obviously. I don't think McLaurin is. Deontay Johnson certainly is not. Um, and, but I still think Hill's the best player of all of them right this second. But I would bet my bottom dollar two years from now he won't be. Uh, Debo's a little older, too. Uh, he he's is, only he is, a yeah. year behind Hill, I believe, in age, which is hard to believe. Wow, that is odd. Yeah, because he was a fifth-year senior, I believe, coming out of... South, uh, South Carolina. Carolina, yeah. So, um, and Tyreek was really young coming into the league, so that combination made like a year and a year and a half difference, I think, between the two, which that's was surprising. True. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, which which goes to show you that's it's crazy what Hill has done through his career. You know, he's got six seasons to show where Debo's getting paid off of one year, and he had a good rookie year too. But mm, just, he is, it, but he doesn't have the track that. record to ask for as much. Um, I don't think Debo's going to be the highest paid receiver in the league, like Adams or Hill. Right, and he's probably asking for that, and he probably wants it, and the 49ers are like, no, we have a good offer. This is where the comps land you. And then the other thing Uh is the guys that are making, like Hill's not actually making per year what his average annual salary is because he's never going to see the $43 million balloon year at the end of his contract. So it's fake money, too. So the agents come in and say, oh, he's averaging this. And, you know, if you're the 49ers, you're like, no, he's not averaging that because he's never going to see that. So his average is much lower. So it, that that is makes negotiations, I think, a lot tougher. And, you know, I think the I think a lot of GMs are probably annoyed by some of those deals that are happening around the league because it lets the agents puff their chest out. But it's not it's it's funny money in a lot of ways. And I think the Browns, what they did with the Deshaun Watson contract really pissed off a lot of GMs that everyone's going to be asking for everything guaranteed now, which a lot of teams definitely don't want to do, which is probably a big one for Debo. You're talking injuries, guarantees are huge. But anyway, um, we got to get over this conversation. But just the last thing, I know you were about to talk about some of the other teams you like. I think the New York Jets would have to be at the top of the list. 100%. And they have the resources to do it. Uh, here's some other ones I threw, just jotted down off the top of my head. Maybe I missed some. I think he'd be the last piece for the Colts, but they don't have a first. Um, I don't care that they traded for Devontae Parker. New England could sure use him. You mentioned the Jets. One of the Saints' two first-round picks, put him next to Michael Thomas. I mean, I like that. Uh, I think Tennessee would adore him. You know, the after-the-catch stuff, you know, put him opposite A.J. Brown. Uh, the Eagles, much different than Devontae Smith. They have the resources to do it. Uh, KC, I think, is an easy one to think about, as is Green Bay. And the Lions and Bears, but the Bears and Colts don't really have a, an early pick to do it. 
Yeah, and the, Debo obviously would be a part of it because he would have to be signing a new deal with that team. So he, he's uh-huh. got a, essentially a little bit of a no trade there. But if you're trying to be traded, it's hard to be. It's hard to try to get traded and have a no trade at the same time. So it's it's yeah. a, it, everything points to him like cooler heads prevailing, and eventually, you know, the 49ers probably hold their ground here. And unless they get an insane offer, Debo gets signed at some point over the summer. And I mean. Heck, if I was a Steelers, I'd probably give you 20 for him right now. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's I mean, a lot of teams you can make a If for. you're going to draft a first-round wide receiver, I would use that right, pick right. On, a, on a known quantity instead of you know flipping the coin on a prospect for sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, again, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too much, but not contrary to popular belief, not every receiver comes in the league and is awesome. I mean, you could yes. go that cheap route and do, do day two receiver year after year and probably be very happy and very economical. But you might end up with Andy Isabella, too. And our colleague, um, Marcus Mosher of Locked On Cowboys and the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast, put out a a really good stat recently because we talk about, man, you get a really good wide receiver not only round one, but in round two a lot of years. But that dries out pretty quickly. There's very, very low hit rate after pick, about 75 or so. So you want to get Mm, that wide receiver in the top 50, top 75. Second round is cool, but you start trying to find that guy later on in the draft, it gets much more difficult and even we've seen you know there's dk but there's isabella as well within a few picks of each other in the second round a few years ago so there's hits and there's still misses at wide receiver which is why wide receiver value is still so high i think yeah that's the eagles <laughs> right absolutely you know, let's, right. Move, let's move along to james has a good question here of the teams that missed the playoffs last season which one becomes super bowl contenders if they nail this draft well i think there's three that are jumping off the off the page here is the Ravens the Broncos and the Chargers I mean you kind of forget the Chargers that go to the playoffs last year oh you know? yeah so, I mean the Chargers are already primed even if they screw up the draft but I'm not even sure any of those teams need the draft <laughs> yeah it, I, I would probably I would actually add the Saints in as the team that needs to nail the draft the most and has the most to gain mm, that's a good one I think the Saints I mean I'm a little bit of a Saints backer. Maybe it's the black and gold. Uh, but I think they could be a Super Bowl contender if everything went well. Because, you know, if they get two first-round picks, I mean, that's a stretch. Don't get me wrong. They, they wouldn't be in my top five in my power ranks or anything like that. But Super Bowl contender is a big term. But I think they could get there or be a Final Four team with the, the right draws in, the, in a weak NFC. Baltimore, obviously. And the Chargers, I don't think they even need to nail the draft, and they should be right in that mix. You know, a lot of competition there in both those divisions and in that conference. And what was the other team you said? Sure. Denver. Uh, Yeah, probably the same boat for Denver. They're already there, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if they need to – so I'm kind of jumping around the question. I don't know if they need to nail the draft, although the Ravens have a ton of picks. But the IDFs was looking at – non-playoff teams that could win the Super Bowl next year. Yep. And I think all those teams fit that bill. Saints, for me, if, if you're saying which one is most draft-dependent, I would say the Saints. That's a good one. Of yeah. that group. What? Okay, let, let's take this question a little further let's here. Let's say they get the Offensive Rookie of the Year at a wide receiver. It's yeah, a lobby and, or somebody like that. And like, you got to protect, okay, you know, right, you gotta yeah, protect yeah. Uh, James Winston there, too. You mm-hmm. know. How about, uh, let's go further, more, a little bit more of a dark horse say top 12 teams, top 13 picks in the draft. Well, Houston's got two of those anyway. So uh, you got to go higher than pick 14 in Baltimore. Which one of those teams is in the playoffs if they nail the draft? Ooh. Um, 
How about the New York Jets? Pick four That's what I was and going pick to say. ten. It, they've added a ton of pieces. Now. If they get a stud corner and a stud edge rusher or something like that with four and ten, and I know wide receiver is something they're really trying to do, but even I don't. I mean, they've got some weapons on offense. They, and they they've got second round picks that they could get a wide receiver as well, which is why I don't think they go need to go insane. And it's clear that they've been trying to trade those second rounders to get a wide receiver, and it hasn't been enough, so they might have to dangle number 10 if they really want to do something, but it tells me they've been trying to go defense with 4 and 10. Uh, they could take a big step. My exact words are going to be, people are going to laugh, but I would say the Jets if they were in the NFC. Yeah, actually, you know, like, that's a good caveat. If they were in the <laughs> NFC, it would be a lot easier yeah. path. Yeah, I mean, can they be a top 7 team in the AFC? Maybe, but boy, that's a lot harder than it is in the AFC. Can Wilson be as good in his second year as Burrow was last year? Probably not, of course, but we just saw it one year ago. I was also going to throw Jacksonville out there because I still very much believe that Trevor Lawrence is a special, special player. How about this one? Let's go out on some limbs, Matt. What about the Detroit Lions? They've got pick two. They've got pick 32. They've got a ton of draft capital to do something big. You get that one piece that is so important for every defense in the edge rusher if you get Aiden Hutchinson, say, at pick number two. Jared Goff has gone to a Super Bowl, right? You can win games with Jared Goff no matter what they decide to do at quarterback in the draft for the Lions. So you got a running game. you got a really good offensive line. Maybe add a, a receiving weapon or two as well to the mix, and they've already added some things there. Um, could the Detroit I can believe Lions, that a year from now, not now. Well, how about this? The Lions are. They I would could be, be willing the seventh to, team in the playoffs. Yeah, seventh. I, I'd be willing to bet that they could be the second team in their division easily, right? Yeah, uh, the defense actually worries me a lot more than the offense. Yeah. I mean, let's say you get Hutchinson at two and. I don't know. I mean, the Kobe Dean at 32. I mean, they'd probably take that right now. That's nice. And one of them's a defensive rookie of the year, and the other one's really good. It's still going to be a bad defense. Washington and Carolina. Look, if Carolina gets, if Carolina goes the offensive tackle route at six, gets a veteran quarterback, Carolina mm-hmm. could be pretty good next year. Jimmy or Baker. Right. I mean, that, that they could be the a top seven NFC team you know, sure. with a, a bounce or two. And yeah. Washington wasn't that far off already. Is Wentz enough of an upgrade is a big question. What do they do at 11? Yeah. I can't see either or any of these being Super Bowl, but I could see them being a lot better shape than they are right now. You know, like Atlanta, I can't buy. Seattle, I can't buy. I could see the Giants getting to mediocre, which would be a big step up for them. I could get, see Washington getting past mediocre more twitter thursday coming up matt uh what if we shuffled up the 2021 and 2022 draft got a question about quarterbacks here all that more coming up next betonline.net is your number one source for all betting stats information and wagering needs and now odds for debo samuels next team if he is traded this offseason, the Colts somehow lead that list, which doesn't really add up. They don't have a first-round pick, but a few other teams that have a ton of draft picks do make sense. If the 49ers were listening to offers, the Chiefs, the Jets, the Saints, the Packers, and Eagles are the next most likely, according to betonline.net. Not only can you bet on football and Super Bowl futures and NFL draft props, but NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball and esports as well. So get over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends 
and action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Matt, Jake has three questions. You can decide which one you want to answer, but you only get to answer one. Question one, what is your Mount Rushmore of Steelers media personalities? Two, are you both ready to discuss post-draft? Finally, I'm all pre-draft done. My want for Pittsburgh is the best center or safety. And question three, does Williamson and Peacock have a swag line yet? I'd wear a t-shirt. <laughs> um, I'm going to kind of hit all of them. Hey, I'm cool with t-shirts. You guys design it. I'll put my stamp of approval on it. That's fine. Uh, I hope they come in triple X. I'll wear it all the time. And hey, Jake, um, hold on a second. Jake, it's Peacock and Williamson, okay? Not right, Williamson and Peacock. Right. Make sure you get the right name first. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the Steelers have like five centers on their roster. They're not going to draft the center. They need a safety, though. Good call there. They also need a receiver. Um, quick Steeler media. I think that Williamson guy is really good. And his right. co-host, Dale Lawley, is exceptional. You should check out the drive on Steelers.com. That's really, really good. The question is, um, who I, are the other two? That's that's really what yeah, the question is. That's really what it is, right. I have to throw an honorable mention to Tunch Ilkin. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he passed away this past year uh, from Lou Gehrig's disease. He was a friend. Mm. He was a Steeler. Um, he was the color guy for the Steelers. I've done a lot of stuff with him. He played for the Steelers. So, that's just a, a hit home somber moment there. But number one is Myron Cope, man. I mean, he invented the terrible towel, the seventies. I mean, all the Myronisms are phenomenal and Stan Saverin would be right next to him as a Pittsburgh icon. So those are the names you need to know Boom. on the, in the history books. There you go. No offense to everybody else. There's lots of other <laughs> friends out there. I didn't mention. Josh says, we know that all these quarterbacks are behind last year's first rounders, but what about last year's later round QBs? Where would these QBs rank compared to Mond, Trask, and Mills? So let's let's shuffle oh. this up. And I think we've talked about this a lot. And I, for me, as prospects, I think I could buy the argument of Willis at this point versus Mac Jones because Mac Jones was the yeah, clear yeah. five, but the top four quarterbacks would have been the top four quarterbacks this year. Yes. And, and we're talking about as prospects, not after seeing them for a year. So you might. Right. You, you don't know, know that year of Mac Jones or, you know, the year and, of Wilson. And I think Willis and Mac Jones to me were, you know, late first round sort of guys. Uh, so then after Willis, that's where it gets difficult. Is it Pickett? After Willis and Jones, is it, let's say they're tied. Is it Pickett and. All right, I'm going to do this. Okay. I, I, I... I guess where this is cheating since we just said we can't know that first year of Mac Jones and all those guys. But knowing what I know now, again, I'm cheating. I would take Davis Mills over every quarterback in this draft besides Willis. So just going to throw that out there because I don't know if I've mentioned that before. Yes. And that's in hindsight, right? That's, that's your, in hindsight. Yeah. And, and I, I would like, have no problem with that either. So Mills. Yeah. And I think Houston agrees. Yes. I wonder where Mills would be. I think clearly, I'm not going to include Carson Strong because I think he's might go. His knees in a bad shape. Right, he, about, he might go undrafted. He might. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know that he's. He might be a medical reject. Um, and this is not hindsight. Trask and Mond would be my last two for sure. Like I'll take Howe all day over those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Mills, I think I can't remember. I think the 2021 like group is. Two. I think the 2021 group or the 2022 group would be lumped in all in between sort of ahead of it's almost like there's three tiers. There's right. like the twenty twenty one good guys, the twenty twenty two good guys, 
the 2021 bad guys. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right. I think they would <laughs> all know? just kind of filter in right there between, you know, five six all the way down to you know eight, and then it would be the 2021 guys, Mond and, and Trask again. Yeah, uh, prospect. I think I take prospect how over prospect Mills, but I did like Mills better than Mond, and especially Trask. Trask is last. And to finish this up, and this is a question I've seen in the past, and I think it's a really good one. Let's go through the draft really quick, Matt. We got to go fast. Where is the first player selected overall in this draft if you combined the 2021 and 2022 class? Pick number. All right, give me three seconds as I pull up drafthistory.com because I don't want to screw it up. Pick number one would be Trevor Lawrence still. Right, right. right. Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Pitts, Chase, Waddle, Sewell. Sewell. I'm taking Sewell over those two, all the tackles in this draft. I loved Sewell a year ago. I mean, so the question starts to become uh, Parsons. So I mean, Parsons is at twelve. I mean, Devontae Smith, Parsons, and Slater. Right, Slater's the, better than these tackles too. They're better I mean, than I, the tackles, but the question is, do they go number one? Would you? Would would? Oh, I see what you're saying. Would Patrick Sertain be the first pick in this draft? Right. Right. I don't know if J.C. Horn would be. I mean, that's the earliest one I'd think about at eight. You know, would the Panthers trade J.C. Horn for Evan Neal right now? Or Aiden Hutchinson? Or Aiden Hutchinson, you know, their choice of anyone, maybe. Right, so I think at least, I think if both classes were shuffled together, at least seven players would go first before anybody from the 2022 class would be selected, and potentially not even in the top ten. And I think Fields goes ahead of anyone in this draft. Oh, right. And he wasn't... At 11, right. Fields, Lance, they would be easy number one picks right now. Teams would be trading up to get ahead of Detroit, probably. Yeah, Jacksonville wishes Fields was in this draft. They'd be getting a haul right now. Yeah, so maybe 10. Yeah. I guess a better way of phrasing it is how many players from last year's draft, not knowing their rookie year production, would be first overall this year? And I think that answers Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Pitts, Chase, Sewell makes six. Fields. Fields makes seven. I want to say Slater, but I'm being biased because he was awesome as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And he's only 6'4". You know, I mean, 6'4", to Eloekwano is two. Um, you notice I didn't mention Waddle or Devontae Smith. I think they're better than all the receivers, but would they be the first pick in the draft this year? Would right. Jacksonville run to the podium for Waddle or Devontae Smith over I, the edge guys? I can't say that. I would, say, I would say Slater would be at least in the mix. We'd be talking yeah. about him probably higher than, than Cross, right? But he would be in the mix with Neal and Ekwanu, and he was just really clean prospect, but you know, height, weight, speed Depends wasn't quite wowing. Depends what you want. You know, do I need right. a pass-protecting left tackle, or do yeah. I need a masher? I'll mm-hmm. take Ekwanu if I need the masher. You know, right. we'll be reading articles all all last two months. Slater versus Neal versus Ekwanu. You know, here's the strengths and weaknesses. But picks, So I think there's seven or eight that are clearly the first pick overall. But picks 50 through 75 might be better in 2022 than they were in 2021 because of the the muted season and because there's just more prospects this year because of COVID and everything too. So there's a strength and a weakness to this class is all I'm saying. I love Sertain and I liked him more than Horn, but I can't say that I definitely liked him better than Sauce. 
Right. Yeah. They would be. You know what I mean? They would be, be the same conversation, like the tackle conversation. I, I could see Sertan going ahead of Sauce, but I could see arguments for could. Sauce being ahead of Sertan and, and Stingley as well. Yeah. Right. Right. I think those four would all be in the same, you know, conversation, just yes. like we have with the tackles. And I'd definitely take Parsons way over Lloyd or Dean, but. If, I can't let his rookie year cloud me. I mean, if he was in this draft and I know what I know now, he's first pick overall. You know, it's I mean, funny he's a, is, is he's a better edge pass rusher than Hutchins, yet. right? Because some folks had reservations about him as an off ball linebacker, and it turned out that the reason why maybe is because he actually was an edge rusher all along. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I have no qualms with how Dallas used him, but if you economically want to use this guy right, say, hey, you're Von Miller. Yeah. Oh, that's that's his. That's his That's, best value for a team. Is yeah, if you can no rush doubt. the passer, use that player there. And we're starting to see that a lot with you know um, Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams could play a more right. traditional safety, but he's such a good blitzer and pass rusher. It's like, well, why not bring him off the edge instead of your third defensive end who can't get to the quarterback any better than your safety? Yeah, I mean, there was a stretch there where I believed it to be true that Adams was their best pass rusher. Not best blitzer, best pass rusher. Yes. And he still might be. Fun stuff. Apologies to all the listeners who put in questions that we did not get to today, but uh, we love hearing from you at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. We will finish up the week tomorrow and then it will officially be draft week and we will not stop all the way through the off season. Thanks for making us your first listen for your second listen. Check out Locked on NFL draft. Check out all the draft coverage, both pre and post draft, the ultimate mock draft. Matt doing the Locked On Dynasty podcast, and your team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Matt and I back tomorrow on Peacock and Williamson.